Welcome to the Safety Pro Roundtable. Every week on this show, you will hear from safety professionals around the industry as we talk about challenges, innovations, and stories that will help you lead a better safety program. This is the Safety Pro Roundtable. Hi, and welcome back to the Safety Pro Roundtable podcast. I'm so looking forward to talking to Randy Royal, a motivational speaker that I met at a conference recently and so impressed with you. So hi, Randy, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey, good morning. So um, you have a lot of titles. Would you like to share all of them with us? Sure. I recently retired uh, as a safety professional for 40 years with a a major chemical company. Uh, But I also do safety motivational speaking as well as uh, I'm a professional auctioneer. And also uh, I do leadership workshops and that kind of stuff because I care about people. That's that's who I am. So you know that I'm going to ask you to do your auctioneer. So you want to hear a little auctioning? Is that what it is? I, I really do. Just before we get okay. started. Okay. Uh, here we go. 35, 40, 40, 40, 40, 50, 55. So it's just 30, 39. Yeah, get those hands up. I'll take your money. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on the receiving end of that many a times at different like events and galas and stuff. And I'm telling you, it matters how good you are as an auctioneer. Because no. I have spent so much money because you were so good. You know, the auctioneer was so good. Absolutely. So I've done that 38 to 39 years. And, it, you know, it helped. Uh, it was a second job, but it kind of helped raise enough money to put five kids through college. So we did wow. good. Yeah. So um, I, I was reading a lot in your website, and you have a really um, inspiring safety story. And then really how you made safety personal into your life. And really, you know, now you're, you're speaking and motivating and inspiring others, um, sharing your experience, strength and hope. So I'd love to, you know, let's, let's, I'd love for you to share your story and we'll go from there. Well, uh, the story that I share most is an accident that I was involved in, in, uh, October 7, 1989. Uh, uh, and the short version is, uh, during a, um, hazardous material response, I was blown off a tank car about about 20, 25 feet and on my head and broke my back in four places. Uh, I was paralyzed from the waist down. So it took a long time to recover from that. Uh, and, uh, financially everything we, it was, it was devastating. So we were able to recover from that. And I went back to work and back into the safety field, uh, several years later, uh, as it would be finishing up a, uh, term as a safety manager at a, at one of our facilities, uh, I was assigned to go to a major project where um, it was a pretty bad project, over schedule, over budget, uh, lots of injuries, and at the recent time, uh, uh, record excuse me a uh, a fatality. Uh, that actually an employee had not died before I, before I got there. Uh, he actually died after I was assigned to the project several, several months later. Uh, and that project, uh, the skills that I learned and, uh, you know, it changed my entire life on, on how I view life, uh, but also how I treat people. So that's the two stories that I share the most. 
Were you a safety manager um, in that 1986 uh, accident? No, I, I was uh, actually I was uh, on the emergency response team, the hazmat team, uh, just as an employee of, of the plant. Uh, actually, it was a corporate entity, and I was uh, just a, a member of the team uh, that uh, when that accident happened. So, um, how did those experiences change you into you know what matters today to you? So are you referring to the accident or the project? I guess both of them. What did you learn? Well, the accident uh, truly showed me, uh, first of all, how important my family was, especially my wife, who stood by my side uh, the whole time. We only had two children at the time, uh, but she stood by my side the whole time, along with other family members that supported me and helped me. So family is so important. Uh, I also learned at that point, when I got back to work is that, you know, uh, you make choices, uh, everything you do, uh, you make decisions to do it or not do it. And up to that point, it was not a matter of if somebody was going to get hurt. It was a matter of when with the uh, attitude and the culture that we had post injury. Uh, I learned that I could say no. I could make those decisions myself and say, no, this isn't right. I'm not going to be exposed to that. I'm not going to put my team members uh, in danger. I'm not going to put them at risk. Uh, so from then on, a lot of processes and procedures began to change across the company because of uh, not just me, but other people that decided to stand up and say, we're not going to do that this way anymore. So that made a big difference. The second uh, part of the, uh, of the discussion is about the project. That project, going out, uh, being assigned to go out and change the culture of 8,000 uh, construction workers, uh, which at the time I was told I was going to do that, thought that it was totally impossible until I got to the project. Uh, the day I arrived at the project, we had already had 37 recordables from January to May, uh, recordable injuries. And then post that, you know, we had the fatality. Um, and what I found out as I went out and tried to talk to people to find out what's going on, why are we hurting so many people? Uh, no one would speak to me. Uh, it was a bad culture, uh, again, over budget, over, over schedule, and no one really cared. So the word care means a lot to me. Uh, so when I got out there and tried to talk to people, they would literally now, these are new construction workers. They're not choir people, right? They're, they're hardened people. And when I got out there, um, I would walk up to the employees and they would just lay their tools down and wouldn't even talk to me. And I'd say, what are you doing? And they'd say, uh, I'm not hitting a lick until you're out here. You're trying to get my job. And I said, no, I'm not trying to get your job. I, I want to find out what's going on. And they would cuss me and tell me, get out and leave me alone. And I would. And it took weeks upon weeks of walking up and talking to people to try to gain the word trust from somebody. And the way you gain trust was treating people with dignity and respect. And these employees that were on this project were being treated like animals. They were not being treated like human beings. And so it took a, a continuous, continuous effort to get out there and talk to people. And finally, one young man one day, looked around both sides of his shoulders like this and said, can I really trust you? And I said, absolutely. 
I said, tell me what's going on out here. And he said, it sucks. Nobody cares out here. Nobody cares about us. I said, can you tell me some things? He said, I don't want to get fired. I said, I promise you, you're not going to lose your job. You've got to trust me. And he said, okay. So he began to tell me just a few things, simple things like the porta cans. There's not enough of them. They're filthy, dirty. Uh, we have no place to eat our lunch. We have no place to get out of the weather. When it rains, we're, well, there's no shelters to get out. And when it's hot, there's no place to cool down. They don't give us water. And then he talked about the parking lot and the pathway in and the gates, the turnstiles. And I said, okay, I can't fix everything right now. That's a lot. That's a big list. But I promise you, I'll get back with you. I owe you that much for you taking time and trusting me. And I had to go back to management and say, hey, this is some of the things that I've been told. And so I started telling them. And the, at the time, they had just replaced a construction manager also who said, okay, well, what can we do? And so we formed a team and we started working on some of those small things, such as support accounts, which may not seem much to people who never use one, but when that's all you have, that's pretty important. And so we were able to get more porta cans and we were cleaning them yeah. two to three times a day. Um, and then we got the turnstiles fixed where they, they were having to stand in line 20 or 30 minutes to get in work and to walk the mud and water. They walk through. We got pathways for them to walk. And you know what I started doing? I was inside those turnstiles when they walked in in the morning. And I'm there and I put a speaker up and playing music and I'm shaking their hand, telling them, God, good morning. God bless you. Welcome back. Thanks for coming back. And that was contagious. And I went back and I told this young man, okay, I've got this done and this done. We're working on this. And as other people saw what I was doing and they were saying to me could be trusted and we could fix it, then more and more and more and more things opened up. And, and it came down to two simple things, dignity and respect. And when you do that, you actually care about people. And I want to say something. You can't fake caring. People read straight through that. They read their BS alarms go off and and they say, this guy's filling me with hot air. But when you actually care about people, they will give you the world. They will give you. And not only did production increase, but safety increased exponentially. It was Unbelievable. We turned the whole project around and we were able to finish that project. Now, it wasn't a quick fix as far as the safety. It took a while, uh, but we turned it around, finished that year. Uh, we went from May to September, excuse me, to, through November with 10 more recordables. And then from November to the first few days into January of the next year, we had zero, zero recordable injuries. And, you know, the first thing they said, y'all are hiding injuries. And I said, no, we're not. We're not hiding injuries because people are working safe. And that's when we also saw the production going up. The next year we had six recordables the whole year, six recordables. And then the following year, the first quarter of the following year, we started the project up safest, quickest, fastest startup in the company history. And it came down to treating people with dignity and respect and caring about them. You know, the things that you are describing seem 
like I, I just assumed that you were going to, they were going to be asking for better tools or different this or that, but just their basic needs being met with, um, a little bit of care is, I, I, I wasn't expecting you to say that, but yeah, everybody wants to eat their lunch. And you know, we did have to, we did have to improve right, for tools too, get them what they needed. And you know, we were having drop tools that had been an issue. So we got them all kind of tether, had tethering stations set up all over the project so they can get their tools tethered. Didn't cost them anything and they were happy to do it. So yes, that is one of the things, but the big one was, just treating people with care and concern and dignity and respect. You know, I remember a executive vice president for this company, uh, as I was sharing our successes at a meeting, uh, after the meeting, he said, Hey, Randy, you got a second? And I said, sure. And I walked over to him and he said, uh, tell me again why we had to spend all this money. We had to hurt all these people and kill a person just to find out we need to have to care. We had to actually care about people. That's not a new thing, Randy. Tell me why we had to do that. And I said, I don't know. You're a vice president. You tell me. And so, of course, my career changed a little bit after that. But, you know, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> because, uh, you know, transparency, that's also part of, of caring, too. Uh, don't fake it. Be transparent. Don't hide things. So, anyways. So, if somebody doesn't care maybe as much as that that they realize that they should, is there something that they can do to maybe soften? Sure. So uh, well, one of the things we had to do was we, is, and I, I, I speak about how important teamwork is and leadership. Uh, leadership is very important, but you know, you have the best leader in the world if you don't have the right team. So one of the things that we found out was our team, some of our team members were those people that didn't care. Uh, they were there about numbers. They had contests going about how many people they get fired in a day, uh, that type that type of culture. So one of the things you have to do is sometimes you have to replace team members. It's not fun, and, and it's, it's not something that you want to do, but you have to do. But you also have to take the ones that are on the border, on the line, not sure if they really care or know how to care, and you put them through the proper leadership workshops where they understand that they're a leader too. It's not the project manager. It's not the construction manager. It's not the EHS manager. Every member that's out there working is a team member and a leader. And it has to work this way. It has to match this way. It cannot be this way. And so if you give them the proper training and the proper tools, then they, and you're not going to turn everyone around, but, you'll turn most of them around. And then again, if people refuse to get on board with the new process, the new thought of, Hey, we're going to take care of people. We're going to actually care. Then maybe you have to replace those team members. That really makes a lot of sense. You know, there are um, a lot of people, not necessarily male or female, but there are a lot of people that there is a, um, a path of leadership in a hardened way out of fear and out and um, very direct and kind of um, that they think that that's the way to go. And I know a lot of people like that. I've seen it, you know, kind of generations of that. And that's probably when you're saying, oh, wait, no, you just need to care about them. That's probably something that they're saying, well, that's not what I thought that I was supposed to be doing. 
Right. So, and you know, I'm old school. I mean, I was, I grew up in the uh, culture of you yell, scream and holler and sometimes cuss people and talk down to them to get them to do things. Uh, and it, this project was what really turned me around. Uh, there's people that are out there. Uh, you know, there are people in, I'll say authoritative positions that are not leaders. I mean, from, I, I have met so many of them that think they're great leaders. And after they've gone through some of the workshops or, or been given the tools, they realize you, you, it's awesome. You can see the light bulb go off in their, in their face. It's like they light up and they get it. It's trans, it's transformational. And they realize, oh my goodness. This is not how I treat people. And on that project, we actually had a, a, an area construction manager that was hardcore. And, and I'm just going to say his name was Chris. And he and I were butting heads. And, and he went through our leadership workshop. And, and when he finished up, I could see a change in him. But when we got back to the project, it was like someone flipped a switch on him. And he said, you know what? We have forgotten how to have fun. It's okay to have fun at work. We can laugh and we can talk to one another. And then he called his entire team in and apologized for the last 18 or 19 months of the way he had been treating them and said, I want you to know I'm a new man. I got your back. By the way, that means a lot when you say you have someone's back, but you better have their back also. But yeah, it's transformational. It's an amazing thing to see. I think that you are inspiring people in large groups at a time and small groups at a time to remember um, that it's okay and, and almost give them permission to do things a different way, see them, see things a different way, a new perspective. And it, it can work not to be hardened and yell and scream at people and to, to care. I mean, there, I can tell you that there's a, probably a lot of people out there that are like, absolutely not, you know? And, um, and this is just one more, more seed in the journey of hopefully them seeing things in a different perspective. So, um, I am, I'm so grateful that you are on today. I think that this is, you know, one more seed. Um, I want to, I want to let people know how they can get a hold of you because, you know, you're a motivational speaker. I'm assuming you speak not just at conferences where is where I met you, but you speak at organizations and companies that, as well. I do. Yes, I travel. So uh, I've, I have a website uh, that we could share. Uh, it's randyroyal.com. Royal has two L's, by the way, randyroyal.com. Uh, and you can visit there and contact me that way. But you can also uh, read some of the you read my story as well as some of the feedback that we we get from our, our clients also. Yeah. You know, and I go out and I speak to as few as four people uh, in a control room at a chemical plant. Uh, I've spoken to 25,000 people in, a, in an audience. And, you know, my story is still the same. And I do want to make sure everybody understands this. Everything you do impacts somebody. And that's why we do things the right way every, every time, because you never know who's looking. You never know who's watching and learning. So, and I can share stories and stories about how people have shared with me, but uh, that's how you get in contact with me. All right. Promise you'll come back and tell more stories. I promise you just give me a little heads up and, uh, and I, I'd be happy to, cause I have so many stories to share. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I think that stories inspire people and, uh, hopefully, you know, um, we share experience, strength and hope we can just change so much. So 
Randy Royal, not Royale, like I really wanted to call you because it does have to. <laughs> I'm like, are we ready to rumble? Um, Randy, R-O-W-A-L-L.com. We will give them, them easy access to you and on LinkedIn. And I am so grateful for your time today. You okay. are a, a bright light. Thank you so much, Stacy. Uh, and just make sure you put Randy Royal with two L's.com. Otherwise, you may get somebody else or somewhere you don't want to be. And hey, Stacey, it, got- it really was nice meeting you at the conference. And thank you for taking time to fit me into your schedule. Uh, if I can ever help you, just just contact me and we'll set something up. Thank you. Thank Good you. See you again. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Safety Pro Roundtable. This podcast is brought to you by Sospis, bringing you the best EH software in the industry. If you're ready to learn more about how an EHS software can transform your safety program, your profits, and your entire company, head to www.sospis.com slash podcast. That is www.sospes.com slash podcast. We'll see you next time on the Safety Pro Roundtable.